0: late as always. So, uh, this is me jumping on the bandwagon of the Masters of VGM uh, podcast thing that uh, the whole video game music podcast community is doing. Well, not all of I'm sure there's a few stragglers here in there that haven't done it or aren't going to do it, but uh, the, the vast majority of them are getting involved in it. So, of course, I had to uh, go ahead and involve myself in this as well and wait till the very last second because I kept hammering away at details I wanted to make sure I got right and uh, trying to track down a picture of uh, one of the composers, who uh, you might notice in the uh, header image for this episode, you only see the back of his head as he's staring at a computer, and that is uh, Takahiro Unisuga, who works for Falcom, and there are really uh, no known photos of him that I could track down. So, yeah, interesting stuff. So anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and each person I'm going to cover is going to be a little bit, format-wise, a little different. Um, some I'm going to play some music under while I'm talking, and then some we're going to be listening to some examples of their stuff, uh, like me taking a break talking here and you're listening to that stuff. So it just kind of be prepared for the show being a little different, I suppose, than the usual ones. All right, so the first person I'm covering is Matoy Sakuraba, who, now that I think about it, probably has gotten the most play out of anybody on this podcast. I have played multiple tracks from his in various Uh, episodes we've covered multiple things of him outside of like falcon sound team i don't think anybody has seen more playtime i I guess maybe outside of the fourth person on this list technically because that person's technically um, been on every single episode of this podcast but yeah anyway um i don't think sakuraba should need much of the way of an introduction for me on this podcast but in case you're unaware let's run through why sakuraba was an easy person to place on this list for me Sakuraba has been composing video game music since 1989, initially starting with Wolf Team, working on games such as Soul Feast, El Viento, Ernest Evans, Arcus Odyssey, and Final Zone. Both uh, Soul Feast and Ernest Evans had whole episodes dedicated to them on this podcast, as well as Tales of Fantasia being the final game we worked on over there, or... Uh, maybe the final game Wolf Team effectively worked on. Anyway, uh, as Wolf Team came to an end, a new studio called tri was formed by three members of Wolf Team. Sakuraba would and continues to find himself working on the soundtracks for most of Tri-Ace's games, with both Valkyrie Profile and the Star Ocean series being two of the more notable series from Tri-Ace. Tri-Ace isn't the only place Sakuraba's found steady work. Being responsible for most of the mainline games in Bandai Namco's Tales RPG series, he's also collaborated with Camelot, composing music for JRPG series Golden Sun, as well as their Mario sports games. Sakuraba gets pigeonholed a lot as someone who composes music that mostly reeks of bombast and prog rock. While this is initially what attracted me to the man's music stylings, I've been more and more surprised at the variety of things he's composed for over the years, including being solely responsible for the original Dark Souls soundtrack and contributing to the other two as well. So while you certainly can't blame a person who thinks of things like Blood on the Keys from Star Ocean, The Last Hope... Piercing my enemy with a dancing blade from Infinite Undiscovery. Leap the Precipice from Eternal Sonata, aka Trusty Bell. Finally, something like fighting the shadowy gods from Valkyrie Profile... There's definitely more to his music stylings than the aforementioned examples here. If you're looking for exciting music from a side scrolling shooter, he's got you covered with things like artificial solar from Soul Feast. Looking for something peaceful with a winter tinge to it? Try the Boundary of Snow and Ice from Eternal Sonata. Did that resemble something cheery? Um, how about something depressing and oppressive? Here's Fireling Shrine from Dark Souls as an example of that. Again, Sakuraba might get some, at times, deserve flack for a lot of his soundtracks having the same vibe, but he's tired to do that. When given room to stretch his legs, he's proven, more than a few times, that he's not just someone who composes the same bombastic soundtrack over and over again. I will leave you with this, a uh, example of bombastic, uh, prog-rock-sounding stuff, and perhaps one of my favorite pieces of his, and that is Soft Labyrinth from Batonkaidos, Eternal Wings, and the Lost Ocean. Moving on to the next submission entry in my uh, Masters of Video Game Music list is Yasunori Mitsuda. Mitsuda is another that probably doesn't need much in the way of an introduction to most video game music fans. He started working for Square back in 1992 after applying for a job as a sound producer and being interviewed by Nobuo Uematsu. He would work on sound effects for a few games before growing tired of it. He told Square's then-Vice President, Hironobu Sakaguchi, that if he wasn't given the chance to compose music, he would quit. The gooch then gave him the reins on a little project called Chrono Trigger, and the rest, as they say, is history. Mitsuda poured himself into Chrono Trigger, working so hard and so much he ended up hospitalized with stomach ulcers and having Uematsu step in to finish the work of the mostly completed soundtrack of Chrono Trigger. Mitsuda would overwork himself again on his next project, Front Mission Gun Hazard, having some, let's say, severe digestive issues. He'd do the soundtrack for Xenogears before leaving to become a freelancer in 1998. His first work after Xenogears? Mario Party. So, well, not the first thing you think of when you think of the dude that did the music for Carter Trigger in Xenogears. Everyone has to get their start somewhere, and apparently that was Mitsuda's freelancing start.
1: The force of life goes on us.
0: that in, the very next game he would work on, perhaps his best known work outside of Chrono Trigger, its sequel, Chrono Cross. The best way I could describe it is, imagine if the guy who made Chrono Trigger's music took a trip to Ireland, heard more traditional Irish music, and was like, fuck yeah, I want to do that, culminating in what I think is one of the most incredible video game soundtracks ever made. Suda has worked on plenty of other titles since then, from Xenosaga Episode One, Shadow Hearts, Arc Rise, Fantasia, Valkyria Revolution, and Xenoblade Chronicles Two. I will leave you with this quote from a 2008 interview with him: "I think game music is something that should last with the player. It's interesting because it can't just be some random music, but something that can make its way into the player's heart. In that sense, this not only applies to game music, but I feel very strongly about composing songs that will leave a lasting impression. What I must not forget." is that it must be entertaining to those who are listening. I don't think there's much else to it, to be honest. I don't do anything too audacious. So long as the listeners like it or feel that it's a really great song, then I've done my job. here's my favorite piece of Mitsuda's that isn't Chrono Cross Scars of Time. It's Shala's theme from Chrono Trigger. next artist is Takahiro Unisuga. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Falcom Sound Team JDK. There's been an insane amount of talent that have left their mark on Falcom's games over their 40-year history, so it was hard to pin down just one person to put on this list from there. That being said, I picked Takahiro Unisuga as a good representation of some of the team's best contemporary work. Unisuga joined Falcom back in 2005 and has worked on over a dozen of Falcom's titles since then. His first game he worked on was Xanadu Next, followed shortly by an entry in one of Falcom's flagship series, The Legend of Heroes, with Trails in the Sky, second chapter. He'd also work on Trails from Zero, Trails to Azure, Trails in the Sky the Third, The Legend of Nyuta, Boundless Trails, as well as all four entries in the Trails of Cold Steel series. I've never really played through any of the Legend of Hero games more than a few hours. Their length and that they all connect together is a little daunting to get started on, so I'm probably more familiar with his work on Falcom's other flagship series, Ease. He's worked on, near as I can figure, every entry in the series since he came on board. To put that in perspective, that's Ease Origin, Ease 1 and 2 Chronicles, Oath and Felghana, a remake of Ease 3 Wanderers from Ease, Memories of Celceta, the first official version of Ease 4 that Falcom made, long story. Ease 8, Lacrimosa of Dana, and Ease 9, Monstrum Nox. There's a rumor that Unisuga left Falcom sometime between 2020 and 2021, but it's never been officially confirmed as of this recording. Well, I hope that's not the case. The one thing I'll say is that Falcom isn't great at crediting their musicians, despite the music they put out being arguably better known than the games themselves they make. It's taken some real work from people who have far better ears than I do for compositional styles to really pin down who's done what with more than a fair degree of accuracy as far as individual track titles. Again, if I'm going to criticize one of my favorite developers for anything, it would definitely be their treatment in crediting their artists properly. So what I've decided to do for the rest of Unisuga's segment is let his work breathe a little more, since people are probably less familiar with it than Sakuraba or Mitsuda's work. So I'm going to play a few tracks here without interruption, and when we come back, we'll move on to the final person on my list. But first, here's Beginning of the End from Xanadu Next, Person Who Brings N from E7, Limit Break from Trails from Zero, Concentrate All Firepower from Trails to Azure, Burning Sword from Memories of Celseta. Blue Destination from Trails of Cold Steel 2, Spiral of Erebos from Cold Steel 3, Sunshine Coastline and Overcome the Rocky Path, both from Ease 8 Lacrimosa of Dana, and Monstrum Spectrum from Ease 9 Monstrum Nox. And now we reach the final person on the list. Jane Evelyn Asparos, perhaps better known as Chibi Tech. I've been a big fan of hers for a while now. Nowhere near as long as she's been active, but close to a decade on my own now. But yeah, I'm such a big fan of hers that I commissioned her to compose a theme song for this very podcast. So, where to start? Well, Jane is probably best known for her original chiptune work, making music that you wouldn't think that an NES is really capable of. But, well, I'll let Love is Insecurable, one of my favorites of hers, speak for itself. My introduction to her was when I picked up a copy of Chiptune Rockman, an album with remixes from a variety of different Mega Man games. The opening solo is from Jane, and she takes Kazayo Sutate, a rather mellow pop song from Rockman Battle and Chase. <laughs> actually rather like the original and it also being Roll's theme so it's a nice little kind of mix there um kazeo sutate buster core meltdown mix that jane made is well it's really something and really cranks this track up a notch first time I heard it. I was in the middle of running, listening to a few new albums I had bought. It came on and I was almost befuddled. I hadn't really heard anything quite like it. It was kind of love at first listen. I listened to it again and again and again, really screwing up my pacing for the run, but I didn't really give a shit at that point. I got home and started digging around on who was responsible for it. Once I had that figured out, I started digging around on stuff she'd worked on. While not the next thing I listened to of hers, the one that really convinced me that this one was insanely talented was listening to Saivariar The Mix. Her contribution was a remix of Asteroid, which I'll play a little bit of the original here. I never heard the original, so imagine my surprise when I listened to it after hearing Jane's remix of it. I'm not saying the original Asteroid is bad, far from it, but she took a track that I would have found mostly forgettable if I had heard it without the context and turned it into, well, um, her nth-driven mix of Asteroid. How in the hell did she do that? I don't know. Then I learned Jane worked for M2. M2 is probably best known for their work on retro game compilations like their Sega Ages and 3D Classic series. While anyone listening to this podcast is probably familiar with Outrun's soundtrack, which is an absolute classic, you might not be familiar with Jane's contribution to the 3DS version, 3D Outrun, titled Camino a Miamor. It fits in so seamlessly in the rest of the soundtrack that it was included in Datadisc's release of the OutRun soundtrack on vinyl. I think you could squeeze that one into the arcade original, and no one would be the wiser that Hiroshi Kawaguchi wasn't responsible for it. Jane is also responsible for Driver's Mega Mix Volume 1 on the Switch Sega Ages version of OutRun, which is a medley of the first game soundtrack. Jane has an absolute knack for nailing another composer's style. Aside from her contributions to Outrun, I think her album Psychosomatic Generation is what absolutely cements her in the top tiers of people working in video game music. That album is effectively a, let's say, tribute album to the many different composers and their styles on the NES. And... Jane manages to, I think if you listen to it, if you're not familiar with the composer's style, you can immediately at least think of like the game that it might be from because she truly does nail the vibe of each of those soundtracks so, so well from Battletoads to Darkwing Duck. It's, it's pretty incredible how she manages it. This is the St. Helen's Lobotomy Incident, which emulates Tim Fallon's NES work. Jane's done some serious work on other projects as well, making original soundtracks, arranging new versions of classics, working on user interface and sound effects, and making sure the music sounds just right in M2's games. So not only is Jane's own original work on video game music proper top-tier stuff, but her ear for making sure things sound just right is incredible too. She absolutely kills it remixing others' works, and her own chip tune is some of the best of the best. Jane is more than deserving of a spot on this list. And to take us out before I wrap things up, here's the title theme from a mobile game she did the music for, Wan Nyan Slash. my four picks for the masters of video game music. And again, I'm hundred percent sure that if you had asked me say a month from now, or maybe three months from now, uh, this list would probably be a little bit different. You know, maybe, um, I would have thrown Hiroki Kakuta in there. Maybe, uh, Yoko uh, definitely not mature Yamane cause she's insane. Um, but yeah, there's just a ton of people that I listen to very frequently but these four really kind of stood out to me at the moment and I don't particularly know why. I mean Matoy Sakaraba and um and Jane are two that I think were just immediately like I have to put these two on the list and um I don't think I've covered anybody individually more than Matoy Sakuraba's work and uh Jane again I uh, yeah, I'm beyond flattered that she uh, stooped so low as to let me uh, commission her <laughs> to make music for my dumb little podcast. So yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. I enjoyed putting this one together. It was a lot of work and uh, messed around with the format a little bit and wanted to see how that went and hope it went pretty well for you. I I think it came out pretty good. So uh, a little feedback would be appreciated if uh, you happen to listen to it and like it a lot, because maybe I'll start doing something a little bit more along these lines, not like picking four people, but sort of treating it like a, like sort of like a talk show sort of thing where I play music underneath occasionally. I kind of like the idea of doing that, but I don't know if that's really what is going to work for this podcast. So as far as listeners go, because again, it is my podcast, but uh, you guys have really helped make this kind of become something that, um, I don't think I can ever throw in the towel, in because there's a lot of love for this weird little show, and I don't know why, and it kind of befuddles me sometimes. If you are one of those people that really likes this show, but don't support me on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash junk. We have a bunch of tiers over there that you can support this show, Multimedia Failure, My Video Game Movie Podcast, as well as the Games and Junk Game Club the video game movie podcast multimedia failure we recently had michael hitchcock on of best in show fame and we covered best in show as our summer break movie i wanted to kind of postpone that because i didn't want this episode to get completely buried by that one but that will be going up here in a few days so um actually i'll probably just put it up on wednesday and get us back on schedule after that so yeah that was a big get michael is a real um Real sweetheart for doing that and is actually very, very funny. Um, I say that like that should be a surprise. If you've seen him in anything, you know he's very funny. The man has written for an insane amount of TV and movies, has appeared in an insane amount of TV and movies, and is kind of one of those guys that you look at him and you're like, oh, that guy. So, yeah. The first tier of note is the three dollar tier. For three dollars a month you will get the bonus episodes of Rocket with Your Card Out where twice a month I go through the games that came out in that half of the month, the first half and second half of the month in for each episode, and handpick a list of or a uh, playlist of music from those games, but I do it in five-year increments because otherwise that would be insane. So we do five-year increments from the year that we're in. So currently I'm working through uh, sometimes 1982, 1987, 1992, 1997, 2002, 2007, 2012, and 2017, because doing 2022 doesn't make any sense because um, literally it just happened. So yeah, maybe another five years we'll circle back around and I'll start doing that. If I'm still doing this in five years, kill me, please. I, i put that out there. Just go ahead. You will also get bonus segments on multimedia failure. And uh, we just kind of started doing bonus segments on the game club as well. You'll get all the podcasts we do in a higher quality audio rate, as well as a handy catch all feed for you. So that just kind of makes things a little bit uh, more easy. If you're a fan of all three of the podcasts we do or any of them for that matter. And for $5 a month, you will also get a shout out and thank you on the show. So I do have to say thank you to Vanessa Cahill, John Lucero, Alex Messenger, Josh Carpenter, Eric, and Michael Hughes for kicking in the $5 and keeping the kind of lights on over here while I do this. So, yeah. Um... Yeah. Again, thank you so much for doing that. I really think that the $3 tier is like one of the best in uh, like business as far as bonus stuff you get for podcasts go, especially if you're just a fan of this show. I think $3 a month for me putting in probably 10 to 12 hours worth of work, uh, just doing research and getting track list together uh for a a three to well let's say like a two to sometimes uh six hour long podcast even though those six hour ones i split up into two episodes because it gets to be a little much for the uh, patreon feed to handle but yeah those are exclusive to patreon backers so if you want to check them out i'd say they're worth it there is 30 something of them and i would say a good chunk of them are worth listening to (laughs) anyway uh thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this and if you're new to rock out with your card out i hope you enjoyed it and um my voice normally isn't doesn't sound like this. I think I lost a little bit of it. So it sounds a little bit, uh, more like a, uh, late night, smooth jazz DJ than it normally does. But if you like this, maybe I can emulate this by gargling, uh, nails or something
2: like that. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Great. I knew that groove was in your heart.